Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, Doug. Hey, Doug. <laughs> We're sounding more, more like each other. <laughs> We've got a great one today, dude. Who's that? Who we got? From whose line is it anyway? Don't get excited. It's not Wayne Brady. <laughs> uh, no, but from whose line is it anyway? And the smartest man in the world podcast. It's Greg Proops. Woohoo! Longtime yeah. friend, longtime friend of mine. Uh, he is also one of the two heads in the, you know, the two-headed commentator in the pod race sequence of Phantom Menace, but let's not hold that against him. <laughs> <laughs> He's so smart, and uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure all of his answers today are going to be improvised. <laughs> Can't wait, dude. It's Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. Let's go to work. Hello, <laughs> Greg Proops. Yeah. Hello, Doug Benson and wide world of Doug's people. <laughs> yeah, other Doug here as well. Yeah, we got our co-host Doug Mellard. Have the two of you Hello, guys Doug met? Mellard. Hi, Doug Mellard. I probably at a Tiger Lily show or something. I'm sure, or, or Doug loves movies, but it's been a minute. It's good to see you, Doug. You too. Or it's good to see your picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we go audio only on this thing because, uh, you know, the listeners don't get pictures. So why should we? Um, great to have you here, Greg. Thank you, Dougies. How is it uh, going? How's, uh, you know, as things open back up, how's that treating you? Well, um, I was anxious because I felt like, uh, you know, Three, four months ago, we were told to never leave the house or we'd die. And uh, then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, everybody, do whatever you like. And uh, so I was a little, uh, maybe I'm a little overly cautious. Uh, I was out the other day and I, um, I get a little, I get a little nervous sometimes. It's, uh, yeah. But I mean, I'm glad because I've, I've gone out with Jennifer now and we've eaten outside like two or three times and we hadn't eaten. Uh, out a meal since um oh god you know march last year i think mm -hmm. yeah. so it was it's just a bold new thing to even go outside and eat so i'm excited about that part um i still don't trust people enough uh to think that they're going to do the right thing and so you know when i start touring again uh there's that issue like you know, so I don't mean to be a bummer about it. This is, a, I'm sure it's a comedy <laughs> show, but like uh, when something as devastating as what we've just gone through or what we're going through still is going on, I don't see that normal as like a real big option. I think you and I had this discussion a few months ago, uh, Doug Benson, why were, why were 50,000 people dying of the flu every year, which we could have avoided if everyone had worn masks and then to find out people weren't washing their hands all the time. Like, yuck. Right. So uh, I always, I wasn't a mask person, but now I'm going to be, but, uh, having to travel so much, uh, and be in an airplane or a car or a bus or a train or whatever every day and theaters and clubs, I'm always washed my hands and carried those little foil pouches of alcohol because some planes you're on don't even have like a sink. They're so small. 
and airports are filthy. So I was always kind of super conscious about that, but I've really enjoyed not having a cold or a flu in a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been crazy that it's been that easy to not have a cold or flu is to, you know, stay away from people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. It took a zillion, you know, 5 million people in the world to die to learn this, but yes, it, it uh, I, uh, I intend on wearing my mask on planes, uh, and then any kind of public thing like that for a good long time until. Yeah. Planes are a great, I mean, masks would have been great, a great idea to begin, you know, before the pandemic, just because, you know, uh, you're just cooped up with people. I know they say that it's the, you know, best air out there, but uh, it's not. there's no <laughs> way, you know, it still just uh, trips me out that, you know, you, you have to be confined with people for so long. And just also, I mean, it's just better for like, if you're going to be napping anyway, why do you want your stupid mouth hanging open? No. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think agree. everybody everybody looks better with their masks on. I think they do. That's the other thing. It hides a world of hurt, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. It really does. More people have. I think it's funny. People have. Uh, you could, if they had to just get by on eyes, people are all pretty good looking. <laughs> it's like you can see the rest of the face that you go. Okay. <laughs> when you effectively cut off half of people's faces, they are much better looking. It's true. I am. It hides my double chin. It's great. <laughs> I mean, you know, I went to uh, in 2019, or as we well, now when we refer to anything before last year as the before days, or, uh, or I've heard that uh, anytime you say last year, you mean 2019. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, last year, uh, I went to Tokyo with the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, which you've seen, Doug, the live show mm-hmm. that we do. And it's really, really fun. And one of our singers, Fletcher, uh, who I've known for years, uh, wears this elaborate mask on the plane, right, to Tokyo, which is a long ass flight. You know, it's it, like England or whatever. It's 12 hours, 10 hours. And um, uh, I called him Kane the whole way, right? Or Bane, rather. I called him Bane the whole way, you know. And, and then I'd see him wearing it in the dress room. It was this really giant oxygeny mask thing. And then, of course, we realize now how right he was to do that because he's, <laughs> yeah. he's a great singer and he sings in a real high register. And you can't lose that, right? And the one thing on a plane is you're going to dry out, you know. Uh, yeah. For singers, they, they dry out. And also, people in Asia already understood that you should wear masks. And you already saw them, particularly like when you go to Vancouver, places like that with a giant Asian population, everybody's wearing one. And I always thought, oh, I don't need to wear one. And now I feel like I've let the team down and I... I'm going to wear one. Yeah, we were all just selfish Americans. Right? <laughs> well, that's the thing. The first people that put them on, you know, in other countries are the, are the sick, you know, whereas, you know, here we're told, oh, no, you still have to come to work and you still have to do your job. And, what you know, you probably some mm-hmm. people would get yelled at for wearing masks at work, you know, outside of the pandemic. But they really help. Yeah, they uh, it's, it's wild. SARS was a real serious issue uh, when it happened and it was in Canada too. So I don't remember wearing a mask in Canada, but I remember traveling in Canada during SARS and you know, that's how it was transmitted. And so they kind of dealt with that. Uh, and while we didn't as usual, but we're, you know, the idea that it's hampering your freedom is hilarious. That's like saying that you can't run people over in a crosswalk has hampering your freedom to drive. <laughs> well, that's yeah. true though. <laughs> that's just a fact you can't drive away <laughs> so we talk a lot about uh names on this show because it's a wide world of dugs and greg slash gregory is um i think i uh, name wise i feel like that's kind of a cousin to doug i think you probably have a lot of the same uh issues that dugs have well, my, my assumption is you get your names get are you Doug or are you Douglas, mm-hmm. right? And then the misspelling, which is hilarious, like two G's at the end. I get yeah. Greg Giga all the time, and I've only <laughs> met maybe in my entire life one or two people with two G's at the end of their Greg. So I don't even understand where people get it from because it's not that common. Yeah, I I just think it's just uh, you know uh, it, it's derivative of like the word egg. You know, right. I think if they already work in a restaurant, they write, you know, EG, why, you know, why wouldn't you write another G? 
Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't understand, you know, cause that's what the, the, the Doug and I experience all the time is they write dough. They add an H yeah. and uh, it, it does it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> or or yeah. if you're in England, that would be pronounced duff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but the name, but the name Greg is like, uh, like in a loud bar when you, when someone asks you your name, they're, they're going to mishear it a few times. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, we, go get, ahead. we get misheard. I get Gary and I get Jeff all the time. Oh, wow. People turn me into Jeff Probst because I think of <laughs> Jeff Probst maybe, uh, but I, oh. I've always gotten been called Jeff and, um, I mean, my last name is already a nightmare. I'm one R away from disaster, so. Well, you know, or, you know, uh, you're one, you know, one less O and everybody's giving you props. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I like when people go, um, uh, uh, th they'll say to me, how do you pronounce your name? Because they're so worried. And then I'll go proofs and they're like, oh, <laughs> like there was an alternate. It's, somehow, it's pronounced shits and fluffer. It's just they're, ter <laughs> they're terrified that the R might be silent. Right. They're relieved. And I'm like, it, and then I'll say it rhymes with troops as in support the proofs. And then they go, oh, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, but Greg, I get Craig, and Craig I've always hated. I don't, I don't hate people named Craig, but I just don't. I'm not fond of the name Craig. Uh, and my name is Gregory, uh, and the only people I'm sure this happens to you in your family that call you by your full name or your family. Yeah, uh, my but family also, all calls me, and with two syllables, by the way, Gregory, not Gregory. Yeah, <laughs> they call. Me, I know that I'm talking to a family member because I'm Gregory. Um, <laughs> I'm stuck uh, on I'm stuck on what Craig is short for now. Is it short for Craigery? <laughs> right? No, I don't think so. And there's so Craig. Where did it come and there's, from? Why is it? There's, it's there's also uh, Greg with a G R A I G. Uh, what? There's a, there's a few alternate uh, Craigs and Gregs in there. Uh, yeah, I know. You know, like uh, it's not particularly Jewish. Um, because there were 25 popes, I think, named Gregory. Dozens of popes named Gregory. Let's see. Craig means rock. It's a Gaelic name. Mm. And that's Craig with an A-I-G. Yeah. Huh. What's Greg? Is Greg, what is it? Watchful. <laughs> that's rock -like. wa alert. Yeah. Greg, Gregor, Gregorio, Gregoire, uh, John Cooper Clark, the poet, uh, who has a heavy Mancunian accent, uh, who's English. Uh, he says, uh, Gregoire. He, he always calls me Gregoire and calls my wife Jennifer. And uh, I have another buddy who's always called me Gregor, as in Gregor Mendel, the great botanist. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, in San Francisco, I got a lot of names, which is where we first met. And I was mm -hmm. uh, Proop Dog, uh, Proopadopolis. Johnny Steele always called me Proopadopolis, Proop Monkey. So I've kept a lot of them as time has worn on. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to have uh, extras, uh, you know, standing by when you're, you know, referring to yourself and you're tired of your own name. <laughs> right. Uh, I call myself the Proop Kitten, and if I get heckled, I will say to the heckler, you so don't want to get Western with the Proop Kitten. Because <laughs> I will, as LL Cool J said, crush you like a jelly bean. <laughs> I, I, I got to adapt some form of a comeback with hecklers. That's, that's way cooler than anything I've ever said. Right? <laughs> you do not want to get Western. <laughs> uh, although I remember doing, do you remember that show, Tough Crowd, Doug, Doug's, Doug's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Colin uh, Quinn. They would always bring me on to be the liberal, right? And mm. this was in the Bush days. This was the W days. And everybody would be, you know, kind of bushy. Um, and there was this air of uh, 
of aggression on the show. It was a real New York, like dude show where like they'd come at you. And because I talk the way I do and, and I'm effeminate and I'm obviously a West coast, you know, pot smoking liberal. Um, they were always nice to me. I, I got along with everybody. I got in a few fights, but, um, uh, it was all forgiven after, uh, they would come at you like real aggressive and I would get called Jim J Bullock within two seconds of the show starting or something, you know, some reference to that. Uh, clearly my sexuality was a real, um, effort for them. And, uh, but one guy I remember, and I can't remember his name. He was an East coast type, but he was junior grade. He wasn't even at the Jim Norton, you know, level of expertise. Uh, I was fix fussing with my tie before we were, went on camera. And he goes, oh, you're fixing your tie, huh? You're going to fix your little fucking tie? This is what we're, you know, this isn't on the break, right? So I turned to him and I said, you know what? I'm real smart. And what's going to happen is if you fuck with me, I'm going to make you cry on camera. You got that? Because I'm real fucking clever and you will fucking cry, okay? And he shut the fuck up and never said another word to me on the show. But I just turned to him and went, like, I'm brilliant and I will make you cry. Do you understand? Cry. And he like, and I thought, yeah, well, so much for the, but I love that, right? Like he was going to fuck with me like, oh, you fucking, yeah, you're fussing with your fucking tie, right? Hey, you fucking, and I was like, are you joking? <laughs> He's like trying to get in your head pre-show. And, right? back and then they crazy. used to do this thing. This is always the Republican talking point, which is where was that uh, in the news? Like, so somehow if they missed it, then it was so uh, right that the fact was yeah. buried. And I remember it was, uh, this was during Iraq or something. And it was some scandalous thing. And I read about it. And actually when people read newspapers, that's how long ago the show was uh, in USA Today or something, right? When you're on the road, they'd give you USA Today at the hotel. Remember that? Yeah. And um, uh, one of the producers says to me, oh, really? Where was that in the paper? And I went, page 14 of USA Today. Because I had just read it that morning. And of course that stops them dead. Because then it's like they can't argue with you anymore and it's not any fun. Um, but I always thought that was uh, hilarious. To, why would you do a comedy show where you aggressively attacked everybody? Yeah. <laughs> when the, the point of comedy is that we're a team and we all, like I'm on another show like that people have heard of called Whose Line where we don't do that to each other. Yeah. We actually throw the ball to each other. As, you know, We might throw it hard, but we sh we're throwing the ball to each other. So like... No one ever goes, I don't ever go like, hey, Wayne, you fucking dick. You know, like, <laughs> why would you do that when you're in it on a team? You know, well, comedy is a team sport. As soon as you put two comics together, we have to help each other. Well, get ready for the second half of the show. <laughs> We're going to get this real mean. Right? <laughs> and I, I, I know that the show is called Tough Crowd, so that, that was the premise. I get it. But still... <laughs> What made me laugh too about that show was, uh, I don't know why I'm talking about something. When we, when I first started doing it, they gave you this giant brief um, was six, seven pages long uh, and it was all printed out and it was all the topics you were going to go over and all the news stories behind them. And then by the end of the show, like five years into it, they just never, you know what they'd hand it to you and you'd never see it again or talk about it again. I was like, Oh, so that the <laughs> idea was really never to cover topics. It was so that they could call me Jim J. Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one. I mean, you know, it, it worked in its weird way when all the, all the guys are just sitting there all just equally insulting each other. You know, the, yeah. that crew can be pretty entertaining when that happens, but you know, I can, you know, hear that on Sirius XM or something. Um, Here, here's one you like. We were walking out of the building and it, uh, it was on what, ninth and something. I can't remember where they shot it. And, uh, at the Comedy Central studio in New York. Like, I want to say it was in Chelsea. Anyway, uh, we were walking outside after the show and I was with Colin Quinn and I lit up a joint, you know, and he, this was like 2004 or whatever. He turns to me, and goes, Jesus Christ, Brooks, this isn't fucking San Francisco. And that made me cry laughing. <laughs> but only a person from San Francisco would light a joint up on the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about Dougs? Have you known many Dougs in your life? Yeah, I have a, a, I don't know if you have these kind of members of your family. Uh, in my family, there's a bunch of people that are in my family that 
are we're not related to, but somehow they're in our family. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know whether they're adopted in or it just happened. <laughs> right. and, uh, my wife's ex husband, my wife, my sister's ex husband has a guy in his family named Doug. And they're clearly not related. I think they adopted him or something. Anyway, he's my, I call him my cousin, but I didn't even know if I'm related to him. Right. And, um, <laughs> you know, I see him every few years. He comes to a show and his name's Doug. Uh, so there's one Doug. And then you're Doug Benson. You've probably been the Doug I've known the most of all. The Doug I've dug the most. <laughs> uh, That's what happens on this show. Everybody I invite to come on. I'm, I'm like basically the top Doug biggest Doug in their life. Right. And then I have a cousin, Doug, uh, who's a, a Proops and uh, uh, was a doctor. Uh, I have a lot of, on my, the Proops side, a lot of accomplished relatives. My cousin, Doug, was a doctor. My cousin, Carol's a psychiatrist. My cousin, Michael, is a CPA. And my cousin, Russell's a successful business person. And I'm a comedian. So if you want to get Jewish about it, all we're missing is a violin player. <laughs> um, if you have a psychiatrist, a CPA, a comedian, uh, literally all we're missing is a conductor. Um, but, uh, he, so my cousin, Doug, uh, I, he is very thin and sometimes sported a beard. So he had a slightly rabbinical cast to his mean. And, uh, then people see us together and be like, Oh God, there's someone named proofs that looks like you. <laughs> <laughs> he's whipped thin and really healthy that's the big difference i drink like i was just released from hell <laughs> and uh he uh, is always cautioning me to not be as big of a drinker yeah. even after the pandemic come on right <laughs> uh has any i don't know if the pandemic increased my drinking or just made it more focused <laughs> yeah it's with purpose now oh god i've gotten Avengers. you know i've i've been forced to get into mixed drinks that you know that i make myself you mm -hmm. know like a, uh the bartender's been taken out of the equation you know but yeah. also there's more uh more like pre-mixed drinks on the market both from you know delivery from restaurants and in uh, stores so i've been uh you know playing around with a lot of that as well um, it's true because we don't, we don't have our bartenders to look after us. And on that note, I bought some tonic water the other day at the supermarket and uh, I made a vodka and tonic and I complained to my wife, this is what's happening in the world, that I didn't like the tonic as well as the other kind I used to buy because I think it got Canada dry and it tastes like what the British call lemonade, which is a real syrupy soda pop that they call mm -hmm. lemonade. We, our lemonade is made with lemons. British lemonade is like, tastes like tonic water that's too sweet. And that's what Canada Dry tastes like to me now. And I actually bitched about it. You know, There's it's half a, a million dead people and I, I didn't like my vodka tonic. I, I drank water, you know, I drank one of those uh, canned waters recently where it just feels like a, you know, uh, just mm -hmm. a regular soda can or whatever. And it's also like the little the little milk cartons with water in them. I can't I can't stop feeling, you know, something that's supposed to have a different flavor thing come out of it. Right. Than water. You know what I mean? I don't like putting a carton up to my mouth because even though I in my head, I know I'm about to take a sip of water. It's still weird that it's not milk. It tastes like cardboard to me when I drink out of those. So well, also, yeah, it's just also bringing taste to water that you don't yeah. normally. Because water, you know, that's the one drink you can often just get it straight into your mouth without a without anything if you have a fountain or a hose, you know. So yeah. it's uh, <laughs> it's um, it's weird that we put in so, spend so much time putting water into containers when we could just drink it straight out of whatever it's coming out of. Hey. <laughs> Just guzzle it down. That's the other thing is, are, are we going back to um, uh, uh, giving out water in restaurants? I think we are. I, I got some the other day. Uh, are we going back to buffets and shit? Okay, or is that just out of the, you know, like, you know, you played casinos enough. Yeah. Um, it's a, I, I thought I was already kind of, you know, out the door on buffets anyway, just because I don't find, 
you know, I don't, I don't find the bargain aspect of it that, you know, like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm not a person anymore that wants to eat a lot because it's a real money saver. Right. I want to eat, I want to eat what I want, what I need to eat <laughs> and then stop. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so buffets are just, you know, just gross to me on that level. But then, yeah, just the amount of people, you know, just moving around near food that you might be eating. It's just like, you know, is there going to be bar snacks? Are there going to be, you know, peanuts Ooh. in a bowl at the bar? Right. Remember peanuts oh, in a bowl, God. popcorn in a basket? Yeah, that's going to stop. Or they're just going <laughs> to make sure they have enough of them that you just get, you know, one individually because they still want to make you, you know, uh, they still want to give you salty shit so you drink more. I'm sure a lot of places that would serve peanuts normally at a bar aren't going to care about this stuff enough to stop serving peanuts at a bar. Right. That's the thing. When I read some survey today, it was about how people are going to behave going forward. Um, and a bunch of people said they're going to carry on wearing their mask, which I'm going to do. Uh, sure. But a bunch of people said, oh, they really are going to keep washing their hands more. And it was like, what were you doing before? Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Gross. You were, you were serving me. You were touching me. You were shaking my hand and you didn't wash your hands all the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't like how uh, handshakes are trying to come back. Like every time mm -hmm. I do go out lately, if I see somebody, I know they, they put their hand out to shake it or even, mm -hmm. you know, fans too. I've been, I had a guy try to get a selfie with me where he's trying to get me to take my mask off. It's just like, dude, you're lucky that I'll even stand next to you long enough to get a picture. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, I'm elbow bumping everybody, and that's how I just do it now. I come at people with my elbow out. Yeah, because you just gotta fucking both elbows just run at them. I right? Get, uh, Zerbert on the belly. That's my new greeting. <laughs> <laughs> Germs on the tummy don't carry as much for some reason. Right? It's fine. Uh, I, I at my podcast. Uh, which I golly, I haven't done live since I don't know, last February or whatever. Um, I mean, in a, in a venue. Uh, yeah. I'm a real schmoozer. Like, I mean, Doug's podcast I've done with a million times and we'll often go out and um, fraternize with the people who are coming to the show and, and get high with them and whatnot. And I would go around the whole audience and shake hands with everybody and, and give them stickers and schmooze them and take pictures. And I don't know how soon that's coming back, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you got to be you got to be more creative with it. But hopefully the thing that people most want from the experience is the live performance itself and that the the meet and greet aspect is that, you know, that they understand that for the time being, like, I don't want fans being mad that they can't get, you know, photos with us. But I also don't necessarily want to hang out and get photos with everybody, you know, right. mm -hmm. not, not yet. <laughs> No, not but, yet. Or you just set up a thing where like, you know, hey, do you want a wacky photo where I'm way in the background? <laughs> yeah. You know, because we <laughs> could set up idea. something like that where like I'm in the foreground and the person's way in the background, like whatever they want. But like, you know, uh, just standing next to each other because you could say to people, oh, let's just do it quickly because that's what that's what people are going to say. Well, I'll do it fast. But most people don't know how to take a picture fast. No, <laughs> you know? They, they, <laughs> they say they're going to, and then there's, oh, but I got to do this. And I got to well, turn yeah. this off. They've got to drinks or they're handling somebody else's phone. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I, so, that's the thing. Was, <laughs> this stuff was hard enough to navigate when it wasn't <laughs> yeah. a pandemic. Right. It was because when we play with a Who's Line group, we obviously, after we finish the show, we come out and, and people are waiting and they want to meet Ryan and shit and get pictures. And we've took pictures with everybody. We always have. But I wonder now, because Ryan was always ahead of the curve on the germaphobe thing. He carried hand sanity all the time. And after we would schmooze with everybody for an hour after the show, he would be doling out hand sanitizer. All the <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he was right to do it because you just don't want to get sick from touching everybody, which is what you do. Like you, let's like you said, Doug, people will go out in public really ill. Um, and that's how it, I think all, that's why no one's had a cold or a flu in a year is that no one's doing that now. And they're wearing masks. Uh, and it, when I lived in England and even whenever I go back, when you go to a theater to see a play or, or a movie theater, or whatever, the amount of bronchial fucking, 
action in England. It's just, you know, you sit down and the place goes quiet and then you hear, (laughs) everybody starts coughing at. And I was like, oh God, I just thinking about going back to England and playing there uh, and the amount of unhygienic. (laughs) (laughs) They should really wear masks. Have you, Greg, ever played a character named Doug? It's a good question. You've worked. I think with, I have. You worked with Ileana Douglas a few times, right? I did. I've worked with, uh, and she goes by um, ID. Uh, we don't call her. We can call her Ileana, but her friends call her ID. Oh wow, that's cute, uh, isn't it? And um, she was nice enough to put me on a show she did called Ileana Rama which started as like, she was working in a supermarket with Jane Lynch and shit. And then it became, <laughs> she worked at an Ikea or something. Yeah. And I played her manager on it, which was really hilarious because she gave me one of the best lines I've ever got to do in a show, which was I burst into the Ikea in my suit and tie looking like a Wilshire Boulevard asshole and go out of my way. I'm the one who put um, Ileana in Pluto Nash. <laughs> which is a hilarious line to write about yourself. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm the one who put it in Pluto Nash and everybody has to shut up. <laughs> and also she brilliantly um, used lots of really terrific old time comedians in the show. So it was such a pleasure to be on the set because what's his name? Was it Jack Davis? The one who was on a new heart. Remember him? Uh-huh. It was played a really dead pan. And the woman who directed it was one of the women from, uh, Oh, bloody hell, what's that 90s show that was up in, oh, oh you know, Northern, anyway, Northern it was, exposure? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one, uh, Mary, what was her name, uh, thanks for getting it in one guess, <laughs> uh, you, you would always be working with all fantastic um, old-time comedians and, and contemporary, Tom Arnold, I think, did it, I remember spending a whole day with him hanging out, and, you know, he, I didn't know him, he's really smart, you know, yeah, fun guy to hang out with. Uh, he's pretty bright. And uh, Wayne Fetterman so I, was on it. Oh, Fetterman, yeah, uh, Fetterman, yeah. who I love. You know, like Fetterman's one of the great lamb chops of comedy, don't you think? He's just such a such a right guy. And talented. Yeah. He can he can play. He can sing. Like he he's a good uh, musician, which not a lot of people. You don't really. He doesn't take advantage of it by being a hack on stage and doing crappy parodies, but. He's quite yeah. a musician too, you know, like Jamie Foxx. I did the Jamie Foxx show years ago, uh, whenever that was on in the nineties and, um, got to meet Garrett Morris and Garcelle Bouvet and all that. But Jamie in between takes would sit down at the piano and play like a fucking demon. Yeah. Like he's a superb musician. No, he's great. He, uh, yeah. he, he's probably one of the more like, that's he's proving it now by just doing whatever the fuck he feels like doing. Like he can, he can do anything. <laughs> like he's just like, Oh, I'll do a game show. I'll do a sitcom. I'll do movies. I'll just do it. And I'll do them all at the same time. Like he's not, uh, <laughs> he's, he's not really good. He's good looking. He's dead funny. Yeah. Which is it. Jennifer and I always talk about this. Uh, who was it the other day we were saying was overlooked because they were, uh, good looking, especially women, women that are funny. If they're really good looking, they kind of get overlooked for how fucking funny they are because yeah. you expect a comic to look like you or me, but I'm not trying to denigrate our looks, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We look like comics. Uh, <laughs> when you're, when you look like, remember Tom McTeague? Yeah. Uh, he was really lantern jawed and great looking. He looked like he should play the coach on TV. Like you hire, you know, Lance yeah, Chim- as Warren Thomas used to say, Lance Chimstrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so people don't really love it if you're really great looking on stage. If you're a comic, it's, it's they people are kind of like, mm. you have to prove something more. Whereas if you come on and you look like, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, poor, he passed away, Max Alexander. Then everybody's really you laugh the minute you walk out there, you know. If you got that. Yeah, hang on look yeah yeah he's a big guy and uh yeah he always looks sad uh he's like kind of like uh the 
living version of that uh, big owl from the Bear Crunchy Jamboree. <laughs> Blood on the saddle. I mean, I still can't get over, like, they talk a lot about how old shit in Disneyland is, uh, you know, is uh, definitely not up to today's woke standards, but uh, I, I you know, they, they took the country bear jamboree out of Disney world finally a few years back. And uh, so it's not in, maybe it's in one of the foreign parks still, I don't know, but, uh, but just to have a big guy come out and sing a song about the whole song is about how there was blood everywhere. There's blood on the saddle. There's blood on the ground. There's blood all around. That's the whole song at a children's show. Oh my God. What? That, it was crazy. That was so great. I love that. <laughs> I really loved Country Bear Jamboree. The heads on the wall talked, and then they'd sing at the end, and everybody come out. And what does he say? That the, the hot lady bear would come down on a swing and sing a song. And then mm-hmm. the, the, the bear that was the host would go, I'm going to find a ladder and be right up. And so like, like in vaudeville, right? Like, yeah. Like no, it was totally. Have sex with the lady bear. Yeah, it was totally a roaring 20s kind of, uh, you know, prohibition. Yes. Yeah. Spe- speakeasy review kind of thing. What is it? Well, he's big around the quarters and he's wide around the rump, making 30 miles an hour, doing 40 feet of jump. Ain't never been caught. He ain't never been treated. Some folks say he looks a lot like me. I think the fucking songs, man. Whoa. Old Slufa. They sang like classic country songs, too. So there's a few. Like, yeah. Each, straight up each country standards. The whole thing was like. The whole thing was like 15 minutes long and they uh, they had like, you know, seven or eight different acts and a, and a whole band. And then there was this one stupid little bear that would always, uh, you know, at the end of a song at some point would, uh, you know, uh, squeeze his teddy bear and make an annoying noise. Um, but I could talk about Disney stuff uh, all damn day. We have one more question before we get to the next uh, portion of the show, Greg. Okay. You're doing you're doing great so far. Uh, any is there any way you could think of to help us get uh, second gentleman Doug Emhoff as a guest on this show? Wow. Well, uh, tall order. I know. I know he's really busy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My guess. So I don't know that it's a party, but it'd be great. Um, maybe if you offered him a chance, uh, to talk about the agenda, he would do it, you know, cause you're a famous comedian with a giant audience and a huge Twitter following he and, uh, whatever he wants. <laughs> right. I mean, but say to him, like what we want to talk about, you say it's the premises were Doug's and you are currently the most famous Doug in the country. And, um, you know, you could chime on Twitter I did uh, try Twitter and he just doesn't. Uh, yeah. I'm sure well, there's I mean, a lot of people poking at Imagine him. the layers of security around him. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, it's going to be tough, but, you know, we're asking all the guests just in case somebody goes, oh, yeah, I, I have a cousin who's Doug M. Hoff. Right. And then, if you know, I did, and then, I would. And then, we're, and then we're in, you know. The closest I um, can get is that um, I went to high school with the uh, energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm. Um, but that's not exactly it. <laughs> no, but that's was, like, that's pretty amazing. She was um, uh, uh, the queen of our junior prom and uh, she had fair faucet hair. This is the seventies. Yeah. And, uh, great, um, great looking uh, woman. And then we went to college together and did a bunch of plays and then she split. And then the next time I saw her after that was in the early eighties in San Francisco at state. And she said, um, I said, Jennifer, what are you doing? And she went, I'm going to Bolt. I'm taking law. And I was like, so no more acting. And she's like, I gave up acting. Then cut to, she was elected AG of um, um, Michigan twice and then governor twice. Oh, my God. So I was playing Dr. Grimm's in, uh, uh, <laughs> what's the DeVos town? You know, Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. It, it, the Grand Rapids is like a real red part of, Michigan, because it's where Jerry Ford's from and the DeVos family, everything there is called the DeVos, this, the DeVos stock, like that group of billionaire yeah. Nazis. And I'm sure you play Dr. Grimm's. It's upstairs. There's a, it smells like burnt pizza. 
it's a good, it's fun. It's a fun room. Um, and, uh, I was on TV as you do like, you know, the afternoon, whatever TV show. And I said, I just happened to mention on TV. I said, it's, I went to school with the governor. We went to San Carlos high school together. Next thing I know, my phone rings, uh, and there's a message on it. And uh, I said, Hey Greg, it's Jennifer Granholm. Uh, listen, I want to come to the show tonight. Do you think you can get me a table and a couple comps? Um, call me back at the state house. <laughs> so I, I call her, I call the state house in Lansing, right? Uh, the capital of Michigan. And they go like governor's mansion, you know? And I'm like, um, yeah, um, my name's Greg and I'm calling for governor Granholm. And they're like, Oh, hang on a second. Greg. And <laughs> <laughs> she comes on and she goes, can you give me a table for tonight? I'm like, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so I call the club and the guy who ran the club, a nice Midwestern, you know, this is a Midwestern comedy club, not exactly a, you know, a palace. Uh, he picked me up in his car, you know, that kind of gig. We've all been at them. Yeah. You know, the manager of the club picks you up in his car. He takes you to the radio and it's a Toyota or whatever. You know, I'm not saying... This isn't below me. I'm just saying this is how comedy clubs are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they, they don't come in a big limo or whatever. They, the dude who runs the club or the guy who runs the kitchen comes and picks you up in their <laughs> yeah. car that's full of garbage. And that's how it works. So I ring him and I say, listen, I have the governor coming tonight. And, <laughs> can I have, and this place is small. Uh, <laughs> I go, could I have a table? Uh, the, He's like, yeah. So I get to the club before the show starts and he's wearing a tie and a coat. And, he, you know, no, he'd never. He found a coat and tie and his belongings <laughs> and he put them on. And I was so cute. And she came uh, with one security guard, one, you know, real low key. And we went in the other room and chatted and she came to the show. And, I, you know, ever since then, we've been friends. Uh, she comes to see me in San Francisco because she's a Bay Area person. And uh, then, fantastically, Biden appointed her a secretary of energy. So uh, now I see her, uh, you know, on telly and, and on Twitter and stuff. I mean, I wrote her, you know, but she's kind of busy now. So she doesn't exactly answer me <laughs> like she yeah. used to. But um, I guess, yeah, it's pretty I mean, awesome. I guess it's good that you got the heads up, but you'd think the governor could call any comedy club in her state and say, hey, <laughs> I have a table tonight. Wasn't that funny? You know, I mean, what if, what if uh, uh, Gavin Newsom called him like, um, look, I, I saw your plan. <laughs> I saw you're doing the Brea improv. Uh, I'm down there with Jennifer. And I was like, yeah, can, you me, can you give me a table and some of that prime rib? Look, yeah, I could get you some tickets, but you're going to have to get two drinks and some cheese sticks, sir. Right? And the chicken nuggets? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as well, you're I, willing to abide by the minimum, you, you, you'll be good. Right? I don't know that uh, Doug and Kamala know who I am, but I did do a lot of uh, campaigning um, and online events during the election because obviously I had the same notion as you guys did that it's all going to go to hell. So uh, I don't know that they know who I am, but I think they might have a vague notion. Obviously, I'm from San Francisco, and um, Kamala is a big Bay Area person for a thousand years. So right. there's a minute chance she might know who I am. I've campaigned for her and uh, been at events, online events and live events. But I've met her, but only like, you know, how you meet a politician, you take a picture with them, you know, you schmooze for a few minutes and then. So Not enough getting... that I can call the vice president's office and go, look, I have these two friends and I get hired. <laughs> them. And if you would just tell your husband to do their show, it would be so. I just, you've, you've, you've humored this question. You've humored us with this question so much more than any other guest. Everyone else is like, why would, how would I be able to help? Next question. Well, I was trying to think of how I could get yeah. to them, you know, like you really, yeah, you worked it out for us. And uh, because I, you know, this, this White House was way more open. Um, I tried to stump for Hillary, and we even went to Brooklyn and met Christy Yamaguchi, and, uh, uh, who was one of her big campaign chairs, and went to her HQ and everything, and got vetted. But she didn't, it wasn't that open. But with Kamala's uh, campaign and Biden's campaign, 
I, you know, we, we didn't get to stump for them directly, but we stumped for um, Warnock and Ossoff in Georgia, did this giant event with Who's on and raised a ton of money. And uh, they're really friendly. They were very friendly. And they would actually phone me on my phone and go like, okay, you know, we can't do a Kamala event, but we do these other events. And of course it was really important to do the Ossoff and Warnock one because they ended up um, get capturing the balance in the, in the Senate. Those two democratic senators from Georgia, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big Huge. deal. And a black guy and a Jew? Are you kidding me? This is the South. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. So it, it, I was glad to be able to do it. So, you know, like I said, I'm just kind of openly thinking about who I know. Well, we appreciate you putting so much thought into it, especially a show where <laughs> we, we, we gathered here to ask you questions. And we've prepared. Uh, we do every guest that comes on the show. We ask five questions each. We call it five and five. And uh, we, there's one other thing we have to do before that, and that's we would like you to eat some leftovers. <laughs> that is not pre-recorded. Doug does that live, and it wow. impresses me. Impresses me every time because it sounds like a, a drop. Um, we ran out of time last show, Greg, and our guest was Moon Zappa. And much like yourself, she was a terrific guest. Lots of great answers to the questions. But we didn't get to all of her questions. Uh, Doug, you have like two left over for her? Yeah, two left. Yeah, so we each have two questions uh, left over. And we just like, to, if you don't mind, we'd like to, you to answer them since we didn't get time with Moon. Okay. I'll, I'm happy right. to answer Moon's questions. Well, we appreciate that. because uh, <laughs> I like Moon. We're, we're friendly. Yeah, she's always she's, been a really serious uh, friends to comedians. Absolutely. No, she's uh she's a great laugher. And, uh, you know, I know all the Zappas. Uh, they, they're comedy. They're sort of comedy adjacent. Yeah, because, uh, you know, uh, Frank Zappa was uh, his his music was uh, a lot of it was really fun, even though. Yeah, he was, you know, very funny, funny. Musician. Yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, that might even come up in uh, the question. So I'm glad you uh, you already okay. know you already know enough to maybe answer on her behalf, or you can answer how you would answer uh, however you'd like to play it. But Doug, go ahead and uh, ask right. Greg your first Moon Zappa question. First one, Moon slash Greg. How many facts did you learn from being on the Facts of Life? Uh, I I uh, wasn't on it. But uh, I heard of it, so I've learned uh, a couple of facts. Uh, At least um, two. If birds and bees make love, that's how babies are born with storks. <laughs> uh, they said yeah. all that was all part of that show. I think so. Oh, I thought it was like about a girl's school. I didn't know there was. Animals. Oh, that show. Yeah, yeah facts two, of life. Tootie. Tootie was the only one I remember. Yeah, cheating. Yes, <laughs> Natalie. Oh, Natalie. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Oh, there this was is... also street trash. Did they have the same names as the little women? There's Joe, there's little Meg. women, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that's as good an answer as I, I, could, <laughs> I, I don't even think, I don't know what moon would have said to that, but uh, I, I like Greg's answer. Um, I wanted to ask her, Greg, did they have to get your permission to make that Sam Rockwell movie? Moon. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I assume they did. Right? Because you can't just go around going, hey, we made this thing called Moon when there's a person. Right. Right Moon's there Moon. named Moon that could just be like, hey, hold on. That's my name. Had, they also had to reach out to former quarterback Warren Moon. What if the working title was Moon Unit and they got they got him to drop Unit <laughs> in a lawsuit? <laughs> See, this is the kind of fun we would have had with Moon if we didn't run out of time. Uh, Doug, Doug, what else have you got? All right, last leftover from Moon Zappa. Is Pterodactyl Woman from Beverly Hills based on a true story? My understanding is it is. Uh, uh, Whoa. That she lived in a, a rocky crag uh, above Beverly Hills and would swoop down and you could hear the beating of her slate gray wings. <laughs> it's a typical L.A. story. Oh, very much so. Just a classic Hollywood tale. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that was all pretty fun for me because I didn't understand the question or the answer. Me neither. Oh, Moon, Moon was in a movie called Pterodactyl Woman from Beverly Hills. It's a trauma picture. Trauma? Trauma. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? It looks wild. It's got um, Beverly D'Angelo in it and a few other people. It looks out of control. Awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that in her filmography when I was uh, going through it. Uh, my last question was: a, is a uh, Frank Zappa-based question for her. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, in the song Valley Girl, you popularized the expression, gag me with a spoon. And my question to her was going to be, but have, have you ever gagged with a spoon? No, I think it's a figure of speech. <laughs> but... Why would, why would one, I don't understand why it's a figure of speech, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it was just great comedy. Um, I was thinking of it the other day for no reason. Because uh, what was it uh, she says in the song? Um, He's like Lord God King Bufu. That, yeah. that line always made me laugh. Yeah, she's so always, My artist is always said, playing with his rings. <laughs> She's a teenager who made up a bunch of silly things. And then her dad was like, yeah, let's put this into a song. Yeah. It was great. But I never, I, you know, I lived it. And I never understood gag with a spoon uh, as an expression. I mean, I guess it's just a way, I guess, you know, what's her name? Uh, Cher in, um, in Clueless uh, updated that one. Uh, to just merely as if. I think gag me with a spoon and as if mean the same thing. I, was, I love that movie so much. It's and so good. It's really good. And uh, funnily enough, um, the place I kept hearing as if the most was always England. In England, they always said as if. Huh. <laughs> and then I guess it got popular here with... Clueless really holds up to us. Other than one or two sexist things here and there, it's a pretty groovy movie. I still laugh my ass off at it. Yeah. No, it's really... It was, it was just very clever the way she you know, made Emma palpable for everybody. I think um, that Amy Herkeling is a wildly underrepresented um, director. And the fact that she made Fast Times and Clueless, which are both classics and both still hold up and have real issues in them. Uh, are, uh, you know, she should have had a lot more pictures, I believe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's dead funny, dead funny writer and director. Yeah. That's but that's the you know that's part of the issue with being not only a director but a woman directing like you do, you're not going to necessarily get you know she can't crank out scripts so she's you know going to have to direct things that are just more like she's just there to do the job and then she gets the blame when those movies are dumb but uh, yeah I think she's uh, I think she's great and thank you for for eating those leftovers <laughs> are you uh, are you full yes. Because we have five and five questions for you. And this is a record breaker here on Wide World of Dogs. We're going, we have one commercial break in the show and it's usually in the middle. But at this on this one, it's happening 50 some minutes into the performance. Uh, we'll be right back. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We are back. We're here with Greg Proops and Doug Mellard has written five questions. I've written five questions, but we're not, there's no way we're going to get to all of them, but let's just, uh, let's get through, you know, as many as we can. And um, we'll start with you, Doug. What's a, uh, what's your first question for, for Greg Proops and Greg Proops only. All right. As a baseball fan. What is the greatest baseball moment you've witnessed live in the stands? Anything Ooh, wow. historical? Well, live is, yeah, because I wasn't at the three times my San Francisco Giants won the World Series because they were, so the, that wasn't live in the stands. So to answer your question directly, uh, me and Warren Thomas were at 
a playoff game in 2002 and Benito Santiago, who was catcher for the Giants uh, and had had major injuries that season, whatnot, um, hit a home run to win the game. And I remember we turned to each other and then we just got up and started dancing. <laughs> Did you make it to the cam? <laughs> right? It was a kiss cam. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's rad. Uh, uh, so that, I mean, that was just one, I can think of a lot of other, yeah, uh, you're, you're giants. I grew up a Rangers fan. So your giants are part of the reason I've almost given up on baseball. Cause they've never been the since since 2010 and 11. Boy, I had a great routine about the 2010 Rangers and then they went back to next year and lost again, which was just awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then um, they were done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's his name? Who played it? Who was your big star right fielder? Who was a clean and sober? Hamilton? Hamilton, yeah. Josh Hamilton. Josh. And um, he came to San Francisco for the first game, right? And the city is a whole nother bag for sports. The Giants fans like smoke weed like outside the park. Yeah. And it, because there's only a screen that, you know, there's that not whole gang thing in right field, it blows into the park. And he was losing his mind that people, because oh he plays God. in Arlington, man. <laughs> and he was like, people are smoking weed out in the fucking field. And he was trying to be clean and sober, which he's, you know, he's dropped off the wagon a few times. But yeah. That one made me cry laughing. And I'm like, dude, you're in our town now. Yeah. Let me hand my, let me hand my bomb to this lesbian policeman for a second. While I, you know, <laughs> oh my like, God. You, I, you got to understand. And what was the other joke? I go, they share San Francisco and the ballpark at night. And it looks like an emerald in a bed of jewels with the bay spread out like a poem all around it. And then when they went back to Texas, they showed them like, here's the stockyards. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. No offense taken being from Texas. No, San Francisco from the air and that where the ballpark is looks like a dream. Right. And Arlington Stadium is in that giant car park. Yeah. And it's next, you know, oh, buddy. And the huge bottle reliefs <laughs> on the walls of white people driving cattle across the Indians' territory. It's just uh, <laughs> so fantastically white people. Oh, Only Texas God. would have giant freezes on the side of the stadium of white people conquering the West. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that uh, that was a great answer, yeah. and uh, of course, now we're out of time. We'd like to thank you for joining us today, Greg. Let's get let's do a couple more just for the just let's go let's let's go a few minutes long. Yeah, because it's okay. just I mean you know I don't know if Greg has figured this out, but the, the you know the gag is is every week we run out of time, and um, <laughs> you know so that we can ask the next guest, you know, because it's just fun to ask people questions that weren't meant for them. So here's a question that I was going to ask uh, Jerry O'Connell when he was on a few weeks ago, uh, maybe months ago. I, I forget how long it's been now, but he was like walking his dog and arrived late. There was a lot going on with Jerry that day. Mm. So, so we didn't, we didn't get to any of Jerry's questions. So what I was going to do today was just ask you Jerry's questions <laughs> Uh, because I knew you'd be great at this. So here's the, the first one I was going to ask Jerry, but now I'm asking you is uh, you appeared on the Broadway stage with the late, great Alan Rickman. Please do an impression of him saying something to you, like maybe, you know, advice that he gave you at some point. Mm -hmm. If you get off of the name or quarter that part, I suggest you drop it. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you that, you did a much better Alan Rickman than Jerry would have done. <laughs> that was pretty great. My, I think uh, uh, the thing to do was holding it for you. My late friend, uh, John Sessions, who passed in the last year, was uh, one of the original stars on Whose Line, had a hilarious, uh, he was a wonderful impressionist. And his, he gave the key to doing Alan Rickman, which is act like your lips can't touch your teeth. So you talk like this. Oh, wow. Uh, the season. Her, what does he say? Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. it, is, it is the holiday season, so be of good cheer. <laughs> John McLean. <laughs> Robin of Loxley. It is fun trying to talk without your... <laughs> Just do it and you do a much better Yeah, because he, he had like a real, almost like kind of a... a a horse's mouth kind of yes. the way his lips would wrap around what he was saying. 
Now I have a gun. Her, her, her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Way better than Jerry. All right. Uh, yeah. Do you have another quick Greg question, Doug? Yeah, I'll do a, here's a quick one. Fuck, Mary kill. Frosted Flakes, Lucky Charms, Wheaties. Oh, um, I, I love uh, uh, Lucky Charms. I haven't eaten them in a hundred years, so those I would uh, copulate with. Uh, what was the other two? Uh, Wheaties and uh, Frosted Flakes. <laughs> wow, Wheaties and Frosted Flakes. I was going to say, did you write it down? <laughs> yes. Right? Wheaties and Frosted Flakes are the same cereal, but one has sugar on it. Right. I don't know which one to marry. All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna marry the frosted flakes and kill the Wheaties, I guess. <laughs> kill the healthier one. Well, because yeah. I, I don't the Wheaties puts NASCAR drivers on their boxes, and I don't think that's sport. <laughs> I love that that's the reasoning. Yeah, that's great. I love it. <laughs> that's a great reason. I got one more quick one. I think I think you'll get this right, Craig. Uh, this for Jerry. I was going to ask him, which of your movies has this tagline? He stole the money and he's not giving it back. Wow. This is a Jerry O'Connell one? Mm-hmm. A Jerry O'Connell movie that he's in. Yeah, he I stole only the think... money and he's not giving it back. Oh. It's, it's not Jerry Maguire, I know that. Um, no. Although that would have been a great tagline for that movie because it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, I, I don't know the name of the Jerry O'Connell movie, so uh, I'm going to have to make it up. It's um, um, Bank Heist. <laughs> that's, a, that's a series on Netflix? Oh, that's Money Heist. Oh. And it's the Spanish movie. show, The Money Heist, which is hilarious because the actual Spanish name of the show is uh, called uh, Paper Music. I mean, they, they put the name of the show up in Spanish and it has nothing to do with Money Heist. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, just they changed just it completely. It, yeah, just gave it a cooler sounding name. Like, because right. like, there was another, there was a movie, I didn't watch it because of the name and then it starred Kelsey Grammer. But it was, uh, I think it was called Plain Heist. Right, it's like just doesn't nice. get any more any more basic than that. Well, we didn't think of anything. Yeah, <laughs> I liked all those Richard Gere movies from the eighties uh, and early nineties because it was always like you know continuous problem. You know, it was always some <laughs> it was always some weird phrase that was supposed to indicate you know unrest or a lawsuit or an unhappy couple. You know, yeah, yeah, a lot of unresolvable solution. <laughs> Yeah, and like police expressions, you know, like uh, yeah. what do they call it when they investigate their own? He was always uh, internal right. affairs. internal affairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was about affairs of both kinds. Wow, um, yeah. <laughs> this has been so much fun, Greg. I can't believe uh, that uh, you know we have so many questions uh, for you left on the table, but uh, we'll try to ask the next person on down the line. Would you like to? Uh, promote anything particular at this time? Uh, yeah, my podcast is uh, uh, Smartest Man in the World. It's at GregBruce.com. I have a show on Saturday at the Nowhere Comedy Club with Ben Glebe. It's the one-year anniversary. Of, we do a little improv show together called It's a G Thing. You can go to my website, GregBruce.com, or Nowhere Comedy Club. That'll be on Saturday at 5. And then I'm doing a Nowhere Comedy Club podcast of my show on the 15th. 18th, the 18th is a Friday at 5 p.m. Um, I will be doing that from the purpose of fruititude, and that will be on camera. And like that. Right. So that, that's what I'm plugging. Oh, and Who's Line will go back on the road in October. So if you go to Who's Live anyway, um, we're selling tickets uh, yeah. for shows in the autumn. Tell Ryan to stock up on that. Right, right on the hand sanitizer. Yeah, and it's hand sanitizer. The last gig we did together was uh, not last year. It was uh, 2020. And um, it was uh, March 8th oh, in Anacortes, wow. Washington. And I remember he came on. Oh, we did Seattle, the Moore Theater, like on the 6th or 7th. Oh, yeah. And he came on with a whole roll of toilet paper wrapped around his head as a joke, right? Like, because people were starting to wear masks. Oh my God. And uh, uh, I remember that. And that we were sanitizing the microphones. That was our big way to not get it. Yeah. yeah. And then everybody yeah. ran out of toilet paper and he 
right? And then yeah. we <laughs> got in a we got on a bus on the eleventh or twelfth to go to uh, Escondido or somewhere to do a gig. A bunch of what we hilariously in comedy call local gigs, meaning it was like Lancaster, Escondido, you know, which of course yeah. no, are nowhere near LA. Um, and uh, Jennifer said to me, I don't understand why you guys are doing this. Why are you going on this tour? And I said, because I'm in a group and, you know, by lunchtime, they had banned gatherings of over a thousand people. <laughs> so we went and ate lunch and we came right back home. Oh my God. Because <laughs> we were playing four theaters that weekend, all of which hold more than a thousand people. I was wow. like, well, no, a thousand people can't be in a room together. <laughs> Jeez. So, Damn. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to going back into a room. Yeah. And people can, you know, do that uh, kind of uh, optimistic purchase right now and find when they're coming to your town and get tickets. And, uh, and then that means the, the pandemic will stay away because everybody's got such a positive attitude. <laughs> um, Doug Mellard, what do you got to plug? I'm going to be starting a monthly stand-up show in Austin at the Buzz Mill uh, with my buddy Mike Weeby called Excelsior. So it's going to start July 1st. So check it out. What? First, it's a weekly show? What night? Uh, of mo the monthly, monthly. Uh, every, for monthly every first show, Thursday. what night of the month? Every first, every first Thursday of the month. First Thursday of every month. What are yeah. you like... Uh... <laughs> Uh, what are you like on the Supreme court? Isn't that when they convene? Um, I'm going to be doing Doug loves movies in front of an actual live, but small audience on Wednesday. Really? Yeah. On Wednesday, June 9th at the Brea improv. Wow. So tickets are on sale for that. Now, how many people are they going to put in? I think it's, it's tape. They're going to allow 64 tables of, you can either have two at your table or four at your table. Oh. And depending on the size of your party, you can't you can't join up with other people that right. like I in your podcast. Oh, I did a podcast with um, the GM of the the Healing in Portland, Nick. Uh, mm -hmm. We know that I love the Healing in Portland. I'm sure you do too. And he said they were yeah. having it seventy people in. Was yeah. How many they were allowing? Yeah, every club's got like their you know their own rules they have to deal with with their own city and state and just their own you know their own personal uh choices because you know I, I know i wouldn't want to run a place that you know somebody goes oh by the way that show the other night was a super spreader event or whatever right you, you know you mm. just don't know what's going to happen now we got through this holiday weekend without you know i haven't heard much talk of massive gatherings that were unsafe but uh, i'm sure there were some so we'll see what we'll you know we'll just see what happens right and uh but thank you, Greg, for bringing this hour of sunshine into our lives. Thank you. Thank you, darlings. <laughs> and as always, whose Doug is it anyway? <laughs> Got it.